0: By 39, I will be worth close to 10 million pounds, and if you're not, you may as well just give up. This is episode 39 of Crypto (laughs) Weekly. (laughs) This week in the news, Tone Vase gives his real game away. Beware for the TA scammers out there. The SEC charged EtherDelta founder with operating an unregistered exchange, and Iran hoped to evade sanctions with anonymous cryptos. All this and more on this week's episode of Crypto Weekly. I'm here with a panel, as always. Dr. P Money over on the sound. How are you, friend?
1: Howdy. Yeah, Glad. I'm pretty good, mate. Thanks for asking. Thank you very much,
0: Mr. Bitcoin Buble over in the corner.
1: I, uh, I'm not going to say much this week.
2: You're over. A mm, little bit.
0: You do look a bit ropey, friend. And over in the other corner, Mr. Geordie Prince. Hello. How goes it? Very well, thanks, Ken. And you? Very well, thank you very much. G- great to have a financial expert in the uh, in the studio as always, <laughs> giving us hot takes from the financial sector mm, in regards. I'm, I'm actually to more of a
3: tax specialist, Ken. I don't know if you know,
0: but <laughs> I'm dabble in the finance. From unironically the time to time. in it for the technology, <laughs> just like all of us.
2: Stand up weekly. <laughs>
0: Mr Crypto Beak it? How goes it?
4: El not bad mate
0: Perfecto If you enjoy the show Head on over to Patreon.com Slash Crypto Weekly And throw us a few bones To help support the magic That is created In this studio But without further ado Let's create said magic As we move on to the news I want to start this week with a name that has been mentioned a few times on this podcast. And that is Tone Vase. Not his real name, if anyone was wondering. He doesn't want to dox himself, so he chose the name Tone. <laughs> um, can anyone give me a rundown as to who this individual is, for anyone that doesn't know?
4: He's a man with awful hair, Can first and foremost. Uh, Secondly, he's a TA specialist who predicts a lot of Bitcoin price movements, but doesn't trade them, and that's about it.
0: And he famously has made one trade this year, and nearly got liquidated almost immediately.
4: Yeah, he went short at the bottom, didn't work out that well for him, but that's, that's your guy. Everyone loves him for some reason.
0: So... I mean, he provides trading tips for the masses, that's kind of his his whole bag. But he, yeah. doesn't, but he doesn't trade. But he doesn't trade, and it turns out that he makes most of his money, or 50% of his money, so presumably he's got more than two revenue streams, so therefore the majority of his money is coming from this one revenue stream, which is BitMEX Affiliates. So he's making money off other people trading. And this guy is supposedly a professional day trader.
3: So, what, what uh, I mean, this is obviously to be expected. I think. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like anyone who doesn't consider a tipster who never <laughs> backs his own tips in any format, whether it's gambling or crypto or anything else, that's, that's, that's a, if that isn't a real red flag for you, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. But let me tell you what else he does, Prince. Big tone.
4: He's a top trader? He trades traditional markets that can't, he doesn't talk too much about them. He just makes loads of money from them. Okay. Don't worry about that. Made one Bitcoin trade, didn't go that well this year. But, <laughs> he, you know, he's a top trader. He's also a great scam caller outer. So he calls out scam projects like Ethereum, for instance, regularly <laughs> for being huge scams. However, this week, BitMEX closed. Bitmex is closed to Americans. They found out he was an American citizen or something So they closed down his account and he went mental He was like half my income comes from my 900 plus bitmex referrals And you lot are just gonna take it away from me. You disgust me So now he's a top trader top scammer caller outer, YouTube personality But 50% of his income comes from the referrals to one site well not anymore not anymore and what he said was his response to it was expect my courses to go up in price yeah (laughs) not oh I'm probably going to trade more oh I'll improve my trading I'll probably trade for more money he said nope my other revenue stream selling my courses to a load of fucking suckers going up in price Everyone's like, oh, God, Tovey, is an amazing trader. Ex-Goldman Sachs, you've got to listen to him. Is he he's supposedly ex-Goldman Sachs? I don't know what other lies he tells, but he's a great, affi- <laughs> <laughs> great affiliate marketer. Yeah. Yeah, that's, he's that's done certainly. well from that. And he's, I can't overstate how bad he is at styling care.
1: Oh, my God, yeah. Ken. You got, you've got to hit him up and teach oh, him, I'd need teach to him, him the tips. ways of the
4: quiff. I don't think Ken could sit in the same room as him. He really does have... I think it's the worst hair I've ever seen.
2: Could you not do like a paid course for him? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I could have a Udacity course on creating voluminous locks. Yeah,
1: He's selling something that he clearly doesn't believe in himself. Because if he did, it's a no-brainer to put your money into what he's teaching. Yeah, yeah I mean,
3: tra- tipsters get an advantage... When they trade their own trades, if they have a large following, and he is uh, so weak that he won't even uh, back his positions on that basis. So obviously, if he gives out a tip and then and that sorry, he takes a position and then tips it, and everyone else follows him into it, he's yes. potentially going to benefit from that. So, but yeah. he won't even do that. He won't even follow his tips on that yeah. basis. So, what infuriates consuming. me the most
4: is the fact that he calls out scams. <laughs> he's like, I'm protecting you guys against yeah. scams like Ethereum. <laughs> Get a fucking grip, Tone. Yeah, it's ridiculous.
2: Have I dreamt it? But apparently, he claimed that he wasn't an Amer- a U.S. citizen because he spends more than half the year on holiday.
4: So he sa- <laughs> <laughs> so he travels around the world teaching people how to count candles and look at yeah. sweet. Like every ninth candle, it's something mental happens. But he says because he spends only thirty days in America, that he shouldn't be under U.S. citizen rules. He's not the sharpest knife. So whose rules
2: is he under, BA? Because he spends most of his time (laughs) on (laughs) Well, he's just under America's.
4: America's rules, and despite what he says to crypto Twitter, he is, and he's absolutely salty that BitMEX has shut him off.
0: (laughs) Poor, poor Tone Vase. It does give me an idea that maybe we should all all pick a financial institution um, that we claim to have previously been traders of put it in our Twitter bios yeah. and see how many more followers we get. Well, the prince
4: oh. yeah. was Literally. slash is an analyst for a major financial yeah. corporation and he won't tell anyone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> can
1: I can I uh, dibs on Lehman Brothers? <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'm yeah. going
4: straight for Solomon. Ooh, old school.
1: Um,
0: I want to carry on this vein of financial institutions and look at the the big daddy that looks after a few of them and that is the SEC. And they've charged the founder of EtherDelta Delta with operating an unregistered exchange. Now EtherDelta, one of the first mainstream or large decentralized ERC twenty
4: exchanges. Whole tight Ether Delta.
0: Whole tight Ether Delta indeed.
4: Mm.
3: Discuss. So, Ken. Shortly after we wrapped up the recording of last week's episode, curiously, coincidentally, what? Oh yes, because Thursday, we, we did mention
0: last week, didn't we, about the the difficulties with running a front end for a decentralised order book, essentially. Exactly. Um, and, and how the SEC were going to deal with things like this.
3: Yeah, so I mean they obviously waited till we wrapped up and then dropped this bombshell on the market. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, last Thursday the US Securities and Exchange Commission announced that, that they'd actually settled charges with Zachary Coburn. Yeah, Coburn, the author of the EtherDelta smart contract. So the the so they've actually like settled. So they actually
0: it. named the smart contract as Part of the thing they're going after, no, they,
4: well, well, yeah, actually, the name, yeah, not not really has a name,
3: but they named him by person. L- right. Let's
4: just go through the settling, though, Prince. Talk to them about how it was settled. Have you got that information? Yeah, so,
3: so, um, they levied these charges against him, and he settled with them in very short order for just apparently just less than four hundred thousand dollars, which was gotta be you gotta think is a smart play because mm. he apparently not that long ago sold EtherDelta Delta to some like Chinese buyer for like a multi million dollar figure. So it was like, ooh, I'm gonna take on I'm gonna single handedly take on the uh, SEC with my out of my own pocket or I'm just gonna quash this and still be a millionaire but afterwards. What was
4: what's much more baller than just dropping four hundred large like it's nothing is that in settling he was like I've I've four hundred K he didn't admit or deny the charges. Yeah. yeah. He said, Well uh, don't worry about whether I did it, whether I didn't. Here's four hundred K.
1: Keep it shut, lads. Go on about your business.
4: Yeah. That but, is uh, big time.
1: Yeah. It's quite disappointing though that it it takes wealth for him to to be able to avoid charges.
3: Yeah. Like this. So so I'm I'm no lawyer, P Money, as you well know, but I think that the SEC are on real shaky ground with what they said here. Again, this is just—I'm just having a stab here—but they, and I'm quoting from their um, press release here. They said that he, quote, caused EtherDelta to operate as an unregistered unregistered national securities exchange. The way they've worded this is terrible. I feel like it, I feel like Young Law would be driving yeah. a horse and
4: carriage through this. Well, if I was prosecuting and Young Law came at me, I'd probably tell him that Ether Delta, the guy, was making a profit from each thing. So it's kind of like the IDEX market, right? Although he's got a decentralized smart contract, he's still taking money himself.
3: Yeah, through. and I agree with you, but I don't think what I'm saying is I don't think he's guilty as charged. Well, because I think the most interesting he didn't thing cause. He didn't cause the smart contract to be used. In fact, they said in their release that he specifically, they have no record of him handling any of the tokens or trading on the exchange. So I don't feel like he he caused jack shit. He just set something up that people could use or not. I think it's interesting that
4: they called it a national securities exchange. I haven't seen... Them define any ERC20 tokens as securities yet, so I think, which I do think
3: they are. A lot of them are securities, for the record. But it's interesting that they can word it like so that. So apparently they they claim that their previous definition of the DAO is precedent for them saying that these to- the dow tokens are securities and it's likely that lots of other erc20 tokens are securities but you're right i don't think they've they haven't certainly didn't name any token they didn't say oh um if you bought ethos on um yeah. <laughs> one of the one of the first tokens we're looking to regulate as a security They didn't like name any by name but they're just like oh yeah there's a bunch of securities on there and um and you cause the their exchange or whatever so i i personally i Oof, I just feel like like I get the guy i get it that the guy's not gonna just tear through his personal wealth defending this process, especially in America where you might not even get compensated for that money. you're obviously just gonna pay the four hundred k but I feel like if the if it had gone to court i just i feel like it'd have a real good shot at getting getting away from these charges I really do
0: as soon as you put a user interface in front of that smart contract, you then have. A centralized party that you can go after because you're, you've got to host that on some server somewhere you've got someone that you can track down and say that they're facilitating people from interacting with this smart contract and it's kind of a similar situation to Kim.com getting done for Mega Upload because he had this file sharing site which people were using for illegal file sharing and he had the same argument as yourself which is look, I, people can use it however they want it's not my problem to police it, whereas actually the American government suggested that it was
3: his job to police that kind of thing yeah, but it yeah yeah, I agree, but they enforce those laws so selectively
2: you're correct yeah i mean it's
3: it's a joke it really is the
2: the user interface aspect of it is uh like i I've very much struggled with that because it's you're they they're trying to protect normies from making bad like Being misled into financial decisions. That's what they're trying. That's what they normally do. Well, that's the the party line, isn't it? Yeah, in
3: the case of EtherDelta, they failed.
2: So, uh, (laughs) but why do developers not need protection? Because just because there's not a user interface and normies can go and use it, I as an engineer could interact with an API, like a a code level interface. Why would I as an engineer know more about financial markets and not need the protection than someone who can use, like, not being funny, Prince, but you're probably more likely to use the user interface. You, <laughs> you know more about the finance How stuff than dare I do. you? Do you know what I mean? Like,
4: yeah, no, I'm with you. But I, f- I don't think that it's, I think in, in the case of there being a UI, particularly a UI that takes like, that, that implements some kind of fee, especially if the smart contract doesn't implement a fee and doesn't send it yeah. to a certain person. Then it's just gonna be much harder for them to prosecute just a decentralized smart contract yeah. that's put out there. I don't necessarily think that they are doing they're doing it for those reasons, but I think it's much harder to go after a just a smart contract. Yeah. I'm not sure whether they'd be able to make a case for it, whereas it's much easier if there's a centralized UI, they yeah. can say, This guy wrote this UI, he's making money from it, the domain's in his name, yeah. done. Sure. But it is important to say that he didn't actually get done for anything. He settled out of court, didn't admit any wrongdoing. So they, I'm not sure. It doesn't seem like they've actually set precedent here. To me, no, not not at all. a legal expert, but no. it doesn't. He
3: hasn't been found guilty of anything. So, yeah, yeah, I agree. Page and Young Law. So we've we've defended the SEC in their a lot of the previous like rulings and pursuits and orders that they've made on this show like all the time like because previously their approach has been we're looking for pyramid schemes, we're looking for outright scams, we're following up on exit scams, all this good stuff. And we've all sat around and said, yeah, sounds pretty great. Like, this isn't heavy-handed. This is actually going to protect consumers, all the rest of it. But this just feels like a complete 180. They're kind of opening this can of worms about authors of smart contracts, owners of Well, and I think this
4: one, they've got very specific laws around oper- operating exchanges. And this one guy is running an exchange that US citizens can use that isn't registered with them, and they've sued him. I mean, uh, like, or they've taken him to court. I don't know, like, it's not nothing to do with the decentralised aspect. This guy is profiting, it, profiting from it. He ran it. it. It's against the law. I feel like if he was in Russia, he probably wouldn't be paying him off. If he was in China, he'd be doing what he wants. I presume that he's probably an American citizen or the citizen of a country that yeah. cooperates with America. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean yeah he's offering stuff to american citizens he's in the place where america can have the ability to prosecute him paid him off i mean i don't really i don't see that the sec is stepping too far out of line here so i guess
3: my point is it seems like previously they were aiming at the bottom of the barrel yeah and there's still plenty of scams out there that i feel they should have placed way ahead of ether delta which as far as i'm aware has never been accused of scamming anybody. Certainly it didn't exit scam. Uh, I don't know. They just, they didn't do nothing basically. Yeah. And they've out of all, I mean, where were they when that exchange we were talking about last week exit scammed? I mean, I think they were to be fair to the SEC. They were based in Canada or something, but they would probably had American customers. So they should at least been chasing up there. It just seems like there's been this um, huge leap where there didn't really need to be one. But
4: it, imagine how long it takes to build a case EtherDelta's been around true. for years so they've like they're not going to have a chance to build a case on some random shit exchange whereas EtherDelta they might be doing this from the like
3: a couple of weeks after it came out you, true knows? true. but think how quickly you could make a case against some of the absolute Ponzi schemes and, and such well I feel
4: like Maple Change is going to be a legal case it's going to be criminal proceedings yeah. rather than like uh, you know what yeah. we're seeing
3: here yeah I just feel like they haven't gone for the um, the low hanging fruit you know unfortunately
0: understandable. Iran my favorite of the Middle Eastern dictatorships.
2: Is it? She number one. Yeah, I thought you were going to say holiday destination. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Absolutely not, friend. They have recently uh been on the receiving end of a few more sanctions. Uh the greatest sanctions to date, I believe. Um and uh, the show notes here suggest that there is one particular Iranian in general. <laughs>
4: a brigadier general, actually. A
0: brigadier general who says that anonymous crypto could help them evade sanctions. And if there's anyone in this studio with a hot take on this, <laughs> I think it would be the Jordanian. <laughs> there's prince. anyone in the world with a hot Jordanian. take on this one. yeah. Uh, and I would love to you, I know you've put it in the show notes <laughs> and therefore I'd love to hear your opinion on this friend you have friend. spoken
4: about this before people are, uh, evading trade potential sanctions through yeah. uh, crypto and also um, was it in Iran where Bitcoin was trading at a premium recently
3: probably <laughs> yeah in, I think you reckon okay mm. actually yeah I do think I read that yes so yeah, this one general has come out and said um, in response to the the like the latest or the last mention of sanctions, I think, um, so they've been, the, the Trump administration applied or maintained sanctions on Iran in back in June, I think. Um, by the way, if you're looking for something to criticize the Trump administration on, there's, it's right there for you. It's right there. But obviously, what do we hear about this? Crickets, nothing. But I digress. Um this one general has come out and said that the the interest, sorry, brigadier general, said that they're interested in crypto because they think they it potentially they could use it to get around sanctions, as you said, which they absolutely can. And I tweeted briefly about this during the week to say that I think this is um really good for crypto long term. Terrible news, terrible news for the world geopolitically, <laughs> but really good for crypto. Uh, because you're gonna have a, a I know really, where
0: my loyalties lie, <laughs>
3: <laughs> a really powerful, growing, burgeoning economy, suddenly potentially ploughing a load of its assets or um, its commercial activity into crypto. The one, the one bad thing is that they appear to be talking about developing their own crypto. Which uh, to that I would say, if you're trying to keep your transactions anonymous and circumnavigate traditional financial means you know, keep them off the books or out, out of the praying eyes of, say, America why would you create your own cryptocurrency? Why don't you use one of the many anonymous cryptocurrencies that are out there, or one of the non- non, non-anonymous ones and like the just one of the ones that can't be censored by the US just saying, lads, don't make your own maybe just put a few um, fewer assets in some of the ones that are already out there
4: Well, I'll tell you what they're doing, though they're putting on Hyperledger we a permissioned chain where they it'll be completely centralised. So they'll be able to do whatever they fucking want on there.
3: Yeah, true, but my point is I guess if it's permissioned then not not everyone no will be else. able to query the yeah. chain. Okay, yeah. okay.
4: Yeah, I just feel like the the kind of um To start with, they're using it for interbank payments though. So it's pretty high IQ. So they're getting guess, Ripple involved, but they're also they're creating their own Ripple, which will take them like a solid nine days. Or yeah. Yeah.
3: Also, yeah, I did hear that as well. And the, the reason this isn't good news for Ripple is that Ripple are trying to be break into the traditional financial system, like the idiots that they are. And if anyone, <laughs> if you want to deal with Iran you basically have to choose one of those things. You can't do both because the sanctions are in place. So unfortunately, this isn't going to pump XRP. But if it's a permission chain and they have complete control over it, I'd imagine that would disincentivize other nations to interact with them on that chain.
4: Yeah, I actually think this is a different thing, though. They're, they're already looking at using Hyperledger to have their own digital currency. Oh yes. I think the yeah. man who's talking about getting around sanctions must be talking about using one of the major blockchains yeah. to get around sanctions. Yeah, you'd hope.
3: In which case, I think it's big news for crypto. Yes,
4: yeah, so it seems like generally they're knowledgeable about blockchain, relatively knowledgeable about blockchain and cryptocurrency. They understand the general concepts, which is pretty sweet for yeah. like a third world dictatorship. Hopefully.
3: Yeah, not they're nowhere near third world for the right. Iran. Point. Yeah. Okay. Very very powerful. Big. What re- are they? Wealthy. What world are they? Uh, not third, mate. I'll tell you that for nothing. Are they first? To, uh, they got to be second. Yeah, probably. Second. What, no, no
2: way are they first.
3: Is second a thing uh, though? Isn't no, second second is doesn't it?
2: <laughs> well, I'm I'm gonna put them one point <laughs> five then. You're not call. you not meant to call them third world countries anymore, anyway. When we were at school, emerging it was LEDCs and MEDCs, wasn't it? Lower economically developed countries yeah. and more economically developed.
4: Well, Iran seems like it's becoming a less developed country. I want I to think, know if it's a shithole. I not. think it's it's, a shit
3: hole, it's not a shithole. It's not. Shit I think it's is last, it like Iraq? I think it's during the, the frontier market. So it's not. It's one less than emerging, but that's only because, um, the for one, their currency is super volatile. And why is that? Because they have sanctions applied to them all the time. Uh, so the the real I think it is Iranian real. Yeah absolutely plummeted when these last set of sanctions were announced and that's one of the reasons that they they are basically being um economically impeded through this political action and that's exactly the kind of situation you can at least mitigate through the use of a financial system that can't be censored so iran get involved
0: i like it i like it a lot there's been a few more things happening this week i'm gonna rattle a few off the Bitcoin Cash Fork is coming tomorrow. We record this uh, podcast on a Wednesday. Tomorrow is the 15th of November when we're going to see the Bitcoin Cash Fork coming that we spoke about in depth last week. Does anyone have anything else to say on that?
4: Yeah, people still are struggling to understand what's going on.
0: Run me down on what's forking. All give right. me give me the elevator pitch of All what's right. going on.
4: So we've got two sides nice we got craig wright aka fake satoshi
0: aka biggest twat to ever do it
4: yeah he's on bitcoin sv that's one side him calvin air coin geek sv is satoshi's vision satoshi's vision so is
0: that bitcoin cash
4: no yeah
1: (laughs) i don't know what that (laughs) means unfortunately no (laughs) i don't know what because bitcoin because bitcoin cash is actually bitcoin
4: oh of course we're deep into the forks of forks now (laughs) Got SV, Craig Wright, he wants to keep Satoshi's vision, basically just wants to go with the white paper. The other side, we've got Bitcoin ABC, which is Gian, uh, Roger Ver, Bitmain, Bitmain. Who is
0: Gian for the new listener? He
4: is top boy at Bitmain, although he's no longer officially top boy at Bitmain. Bitmain. Uh, They want to do some stuff that's slightly different to Satoshi's vision, the white paper. Some key areas they disagree, block size. Craig Wright, Satoshi's vision, they want to increase the block size load, Because that's what Satoshi wrote 10 years ago. That scale Bitcoin, you increase the block size. You want to go 128 megabytes, whatever. Your boys, uh, ABC, they want to stick to 32, like cap it at 32, scale in other ways. One of the ways is the ways that they want to order transactions. They want to change. So ABC now, Bitmain, Bitmain want to change to canonical ordering supposedly a way for them to scale without increasing block size and arguably to decentralize the network more because supposedly canonical ordering will benefit huge mining pools less than the other type. What's it called P money?
2: Topological.
1: Topological. Topological. Yeah.
4: Ordering and yeah, supposedly that's an advantage. Uh, it has a canonical ordering. Supposedly, has an advantage of decentralising the network. Uh, the third thing they disagree on: Bitmain, Bitcoin ABC, want to add some scripting that will allow some off-chain, cross-chain, excuse me, cross-chain stuff, such as atomic swaps, which may mean that you can swap Bitcoin Cash for other Bitcoin derivatives on-chain. You can across the two chains. And maybe some other super hot cross-chain action. Craig Wright doesn't want to do that because Satoshi didn't say it. They're supposedly splitting tomorrow, the 15th, which is probably maybe the day this podcast comes out. Most likely. But one of the most interesting things is Big Righty boy, he's saying that he's not going to... uh, There's going to be no replay protection. So that basically means you're at risk of double spends if when both chains are like, they're live. If they both coexist, it's going to be trouble. Usually when things fork, there's replay protection is implemented somehow so that the miners don't process across both chains certain transactions. If you transact on one chain, it doesn't go across the other. That is supposedly not going to be the case because Craig Wright doesn't want to do it because he wants there to be one winner. He wants. He said it's like something like like getting in a Land Cruiser and putting a brick on the pedal and closing your eyes and playing a m- crazy game of chicken. He's giving it massive about only one is going to survive, and it's going to be his.
3: Why so. didn't he reference Highlander instead of a Land Cruiser? I'll be much better. I'm not sure, mate. Boobs and I worked on a, on a project
1: somewhat related to this. <laughs> Extremely um, related to this. And um they are heavily investing in patents. They've got a whole team of engineers at a a company working on building tools around this ecosystem, which is great, but also they're spending a lot of time and money trying to patent what they're doing to stop other people from being able to do it. That last bit is obviously speculation, but why why would you patent things unless you want to restrict access? And so what you just mentioned, I think that is reinforced by the idea that he's trying to restrict the number of other successful players in the market to make one be the true winner.
3: Yeah, you're right. Because if you'd had that attitude when Bitcoin Cash forked from Core, Bitcoin Cash wouldn't exist. No, it's just yeah. You know what I mean? It wouldn't. You'd just have Bitcoin Core, and that would be it. Yeah. So it's he's kind of picking and choosing when he want when he wants the smaller fork to so when it's advantageous for him for the smaller fork to survive. Mm. It's like yeah, it's fine. But when when it's not, then all of a sudden it's. It's win it takes all basically. he also thing, talks about how he's gonna
4: bankrupt the other side. he's going after him, that's what he wants.
2: The Boom. other thing that uh, I find slightly moronic about his approach to this is <laughs> only slightly if if Satoshi really wanted this, he would have written more papers to like during the last ten years to <laughs> to to validate yeah. his theory based on the network and what has happened since he's not doing that he's not I've not seen him publish anything else <laughs>
4: <laughs> I feel like it'd be big news as well but I feel no. like you yeah. he would have heard yeah he?
1: another frustration for me is that from what I understand the average block size is around about a megabyte and Bitcoin Cash has 32 megabytes and they're having arguments and forking partially based on the fact that they want to increase the block size versus some other aspects of scaling when they're 32 times away from the traffic that they need in order to have, for, the, for these to things the to initiate. be a problem, yeah. right? That they're focusing on scaling issues when actually adoption is the problem. If this was a business, and and the engineers were saying, "Oh yeah, we need to scale for for thirty-two times the current traffic," <laughs> no business, no technology business would be saying, "Oh yeah, let's get our engineers working on scaling right now." They'd be saying, "No, we need to get people using this product." True. Say, so. and the most worrying thing about it is that there are now two parties that
4: both seemingly have close to the power to take the other party out. They both have huge influence over their respective chains, and both are trying to claim or think they have so much power that they can destroy the other major superpower. Now that's worrying because three months ago, these two giant powers were collaborating to run Bitcoin Cash. So we know they had a huge percentage, maybe like they probably had the potential to have 90 plus percent of the hashing power. And they're all buddies. They were all on yachts together with a load of process and expensive champagne. <laughs> and now it's split. We see that they've completely run the whole thing. So Bitcoin Cash was never, ever decentralized. Yeah. Like these
2: guys had complete power over it. Oh, So you're calling this as a complete soap opera to make to make it decentralized?
4: Well, I think they've had I think they've had a proper falling out. I think there was a real, like, you know, these are all just rich guys with huge egos, and I think this is a true separation, but I think it's much more on egos than anything else. But what I mean is the whole farce of Bitcoin Cash coming into decentralized Bitcoin, all it did, it clearly put it in the power of these two parties that were complete. they were just one party, three, six months
2: ago. So two, two bits of information that might help you pick, if you had to pick a side as to yep. which one would win. Uh, one the Bitmain backdoor which we've talked about previously yeah. so the ability for them to potentially turn off miners or not or whatever Yeah. right the other is uh, we knew that their Bitcoin Cash guys the had <laughs> uh had uh, some unused uh, miners so just off so
4: idle. SV had CoinGeek yeah. had some unused miners yeah
2: that just weren't on at the time.
4: But we know that Bitmain... Are we out of our NDA? Yeah. Apparently Bit... <laughs> <laughs> we are now. <laughs> Apparently Bitmain are deploying 90,000 S9s across China at the moment though. Woo. That's,
1: from what we understand, a percentage, a, a percentage of what CoinGeek had. Or less, have.
4: less than half. Yeah. So an additional... Oh,
1: 90,000. So
4: CoinGeek got a, a lot more than 90,000. That was their target, yeah. Yeah. So that's going to be nutty. And Calvin Air, apparently, they're claiming that they're ready to lose a ton of money to put them out of the race. Like they're ready just to. They're saying that they think they're happy to lose more money than Bitmain are. Basically, that's their general thing. Like, we'll both lose money, but they'll give up first. That's, <laughs> ex- is, is, that's exactly what they're saying. So this SV, is awesome. SV yeah. are saying they're rich enough to lose more than the other side. Are. It sounds like the sort of contest that we might run. so yeah it'll be exciting I, i couldn't give two fucks about bitcoin cash at all but this is exciting you've got to say
2: yeah
0: i'm gonna leave it on that in other news ethereum are setting the tentative goal of january for the constantinople update pushing it back from november
4: didn't they say January at the earliest? At the earliest, yes. You know, so. That's why
0: I said tentative
4: goal. Okay, so probably not even January, realistically. Realistically,
0: it's just a verbal agreement well, a Verbal agreement that is now at least January.
4: I like that. I'm just reading it now, and apparently uh, one of the devs made the very uh, shrewd comment that maybe they should change the term they're using to update from hard fork. Which would certainly... I feel like mm. that would help the price of... ETH with all the gremlins It's like, oh, we're we'll just we're we'll releasing an update to ETH, <laughs> rather than a hard fork. Yeah. yeah. It's just
3: like when you reset your computer.
4: It's yeah, just said update, no updates come in, don't worry about it.
0: Huh. The IMF also apparently loves blockchain, suggesting <laughs> that governments can set up their own cryptocurrencies. More trash tier journalism from theguardian.com. Um and Robin Hood sell all their all the flows to high-frequency trading firms in order to make money, apparently. There'll be links to these in the show notes so you can read up, listener, because we have not had time to cover them in depth today. I've got one
4: more lol... lol. (laughs) (laughs) One more lol, and that is EOS. Have you seen Dan Larimer this week?
0: Uh, This is hugely hilarious.
4: So, EOS were pitched during their crowd sale at making a Doing their ICO, making ETH more, like a more decentralized version of ETH.
0: Their tagline on their website at the time was EOS, decentralize everything. Okay? Hold that in mind, listener (laughs) and
4: studio. So, he came out and tweeted today that something, I'm paraphrasing, but it was something along the lines of uh, Decentralization isn't our biggest concern, EOS. (laughs) Oh, having one, Danny.
0: EOS centralise everything, <laughs> and with that, we're going to end the news and move on to Beek's Market Watch.
4: So we're having a contest, aren't we, P Money?
1: We may well be, yes.
4: So Beek's Pick of the Week is no more. The contest will be taken over, which you will soon find out about. But we are going to run through. Some of the stuff that's happening in the market. And what's happening in the market is a fucking bloodbath. (laughs) As we speak, we're getting slaughtered. (laughs) Good night, sweet
0: listener. Bitcoin's down
4: like 20% ETH. Everything is getting absolutely destroyed. And as of yet, we don't really know why. The... The futures contracts are supposedly closing, which somehow makes a difference to this. There's a few theories floating around, but the inter- I'm looking down the top 100, and everything is slaughtered. So, yeah, we're I haven't even... There's not a lot I can tell you because every single crypto is down fucking loads.
2: BTFD, right?
4: Maybe. <laughs> maybe. I mean, the problem is I, no one knows what's happening yet. This is in the last probably... Three or four hours, this crash has happened, and it's a pretty decent one. We haven't seen a 20% in half an hour crash for for a while now. It's a it's a classic. Um, so yeah, I haven't. There's not much to pick out because everything's got absolutely slaughtered. I think the stock market's getting pretty slaughtered at the moment as well. When people are worried, a lot of people have been saying that they think that crypto's a hedge against traditional. Uh, Financial instruments, basically stock market, but which may be true when there's true like fear in traditional finance world. But when things just turn bearish in traditional financial markets, people aren't going to be interested in speculative investments like crypto, and it's going to fall. And I think that's what we've seen today. And it's been yeah, can's been a bloodbath. That's all I got for you. What a biz saying about it. Beers are saying, Ree, Ree, why is this happening? Oh, how do you kill yourself painlessly? (laughs) It's all that's happening at the moment on Beers. Always good to hear from the lads. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, now we've got a balanced view of things. It's now that part of the show where we give away some tokens that we have minted. Our cryptographic universally negative token, as well as our...
1: What is type? Tokenized. Is it tokenized? Thanks,
2: Oh,
1: yeah. Insurance of gratuity and honor. That was it. <laughs> Great. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
4: token. That's token. That yeah. is so good. I'd like
1: to give some cunt to Coindesk.
4: Oh, yeah. Oh, who I've slated today. They put out their new tool. One of the tabs showed developer adoption or something. And they said Ethereum had less GitHub contributors than Bitcoin, which is False. They just chose one Ethereum uh, repository, and they checked how much one out of 178, how many contributors one of the repositories out of a total 178 repositories had. And they put Ethereum in second. Seemed pretty bloody silly to me. So, I think
0: Coindesk have some uh, public
4: Ethereum addresses. Oh, well, Coindesk deserves some cunt, and they are hugely biased against Ethereum and total dickheads. If you'd like to check out my thread where I soul wreck them, will they ever recover Can No. You can check me out on, on co- Twitter. I'm Coindesk At- owned
0: Twitter. by Craig Wright. Probably. That's why.
4: Well, yeah, he's, they're very anti-Ethereum, and now they're just putting out lies in their tools. Mm. Dickheads. Hold a few cunt.
1: Thanks, Coindesk. Craig Wright. You going to send him some cunt? I know we sent him some last week but I think we need to <laughs> He's going to be away <laughs> listening is that last. Oh, that's think... sensible,
2: though. DCAN. <laughs> yeah. You've
1: <got> <laughs> <laughs> and also, um, Crypto Chamber at wrecked Podcast. Ah, the old wrecked Podcast yeah. boys. What are they getting? So they said that we were the best European podcast. But, <laughs> yeah. So they got that wrong there, didn't they? Yeah. They
4: also said uh, our British accents make us sound smart even if maybe we're not. Oof.
1: Yeah, and so say they need some cunt.
4: And if we mint any Divi tokens, we can also give that to them, because one of those lads said that Neo is going to top five. So <laughs> hold some fictional Divi, <laughs> you twat.
2: Blown out.
1: But we haven't given any tight out.
2: Dan's got some, hasn't he? Dan's, Dan's, got, got, some Dan's got some,
1: yeah. <laughs> um. still, <laughs> w- still waiting on your
4: Ethereum
0: dress there, Big Dan.
4: Crypto's down 20%. So no one deserves any tight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want to stop giving things away, because <laughs> we. I
0: well, think
1: we, we need to end the show. Don't want to give any to William Shatner.
4: Oh, my God. Send a load of type to William Shatner, who was defending Ethereum and Vitalik, and seems to have a relatively in-depth knowledge of Ethereum, doesn't what he? What a boss. If you haven't checked out Shatner's tweets, you should do great call P Money that send right. a load to Shatner and he will accept him
0: yeah mm. oh for sure amazing. Right. Well, amazing he's written down and also if you haven't listen to the DJ Kurtzer song featuring William Shatner great listen and with that we're going to end the show good night Dr P Money
1: thank you very much uh, you can follow me with the other four followers on Twitter <laughs> at Dr P Money
2: Mr Bitcoin Bublé has been here uh, at bitcoin underscore buble on twitter
0: we've been joined by his royal highness oh,
2: actually, can i can i plug my github as well i want to get up to more than four uh contributors <laughs> on the number picking robot so that i can be it can be more developed than them according to coindesk <laughs> oh good uh, call right? nice cool. go on then mate oh yeah bitcoin hyphen buble on github
0: <laughs> thank you his
2: royal highness the geordie prince
3: at H-R-H-G-E-O-R-D-I-E-P, that's at H-R-H-G-E-O-R-D-I-E-P, many thanks. Mr. Crypto
0: Beak has also been with
4: us. Hasta luego. El Twitterino is Al Crypto underscore Beak on Al Twitter. That's Crypto Beak on Twitter for people who don't speak Spanish.
0: Thank you for translating. I have been your host, Crypto Ken. You can find me on Twitter at crypto ken can blowing out social media influences left right and center up your and with that we have been crypto weekly you have been informed listener and you're welcome